Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm also a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete, and I run the USSF. We are having our coffee this morning, and we're going to read you some news here. Uh, Fortress, we will probably add to the end of the show, uh, like we did before. Um, so let's see. Uh one of the things that's come across my desk is something from Lab Roots Daily. Strength and Muscle Sport News. They're a good email, like, um, update sort of thing that you just get in your mailbox. Uh, but I'm happy to browse through these for everybody. Um, this is from Lean Schneider, I think. L-L-E-N-E, Schneider. Weight loss is critical basically in higher cardiovascular risk patients with obstructive sleep apnea. So a lot of our listeners, of course, the bigger guys especially, uh, tend to wrestle with stuff like sleep apnea. You know, I'm not a very big person, but my wife's always like, you know, you pause during the night, you know, you, you snort, and you start breathing. I've been trying to avoid the CPAP thing. And, you know, we've talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. before. And this is research about that. So let's see. This says obesity and obstructive sleep apnea can increase cardiovascular risk factors, including inflammation, insulin resistance, that doesn't sound good, uh, abnormal cholesterol, and high blood pressure. It says, there, of course, there are effective therapies, but new research from a multidisciplinary team at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania now reveals that the single most important factor for improving the cardiovascular risk that's risk, of course, in obese patients is weight loss. So sometimes this gets hard to extrapolate, I think, to our community, right? Because we have guys that are very big, but it's not just because they're obese. I mean, their body mass index classifies them as obese, you know. So how much of this is from body fatness, for example, because everybody knows that body fat is an inflammatory organ. It's not just a gas tank for calories, but... Uh, It says, in the trial, the investigators randomly assigned 181 patients with obesity, moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea, and high C-reactive protein levels. And that's something I've measured myself in the lab before. C-reactive protein is a nice little marker of inflammation. You know, and it's one of those things that used to be overlooked in cardiovascular risk uh, because everybody was so obsessing over LDL cholesterol and that sort of thing, which are still you know, important, but anyway, so they looked at C-reactive protein and inflammatory marker associated with heart disease for 24 weeks. Um, Let's see, they looked at weight loss therapy, CPAP therapy, or the combination um, on C-reactive protein, right, on this inflammatory marker. And bear with me, I'm drinking my coffee trying to pull this together. Uh, The investigators found no significant effect of the combination therapy over either therapy alone when it came to reducing C-reactive protein levels. Weight loss alone significantly reduced the inflammatory marker and insulin resistance and the dyslipidemia, right, the screwy blood lipids and cholesterol, um, and high blood pressure. Uh, In stark contrast, they did not observe a significant effect of CPAP on C-reactive protein, on insulin sensitivity, or on dyslipidemia, even though subjects who uh, did indeed adhere to the therapy. Um, These data argue against an independent causal relationship between obstructive sleep apnea and cardiovascular risk, or at least these risk factors. That's interesting, because how often do you hear that, oh, you know, if you've got sleep apnea, that's cardiovascular risk. Mm-hmm. It says, despite the lack of the effect of CPAP therapy on the risk factors mentioned above, both CPAP and weight loss did reduce blood pressure. So I don't know. I, I don't think any uh, clinician is going to be pulling people off their CPAP 
anytime soon. But it, I think they're trying to emphasize the point that weight loss helps with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But oh, again, it, it's, yeah, I can tell you. I mean, like mine doesn't. I don't get my problems until two seventy five plus, and then it starts going bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Right. <clears throat> well, that's why it's it's tough to. Uh, apply to us in a lot of ways because uh, or certainly bigger guys i mean mm-hmm. i tend to get it yeah like when i'm in off season and I, I start pushing for me it's about 220 you mm-hmm. know i get up to over 220 and it's worse uh, but weight loss isn't really the option i guess all we could say is most strength athletes i'm guessing um they have sort of seasons of the year where they're heavier and they're not mm-hmm. always eating plates of brownies I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's one of the beautiful things I, I like about taking my breaks is I come down and I can sleep again. So I just feel more rested, even. But based on this, your insulin sensitivity would improve, your blood mm-hmm. cholesterol, just lots of stuff. I mean, Rob uses the term permabulker sometime for the bodybuilders yeah. who are doing that, but it depends on how sloppy you take the bulking too. I mean, some bodybuilders I think might not go quite as radical as. You know the tales of powerlifters. Who was it? He's eating uh, whole bars of cookie dough, like the frozen cookie dough. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Platts, but uh, oh, he was another blonde-haired guy. But that would just go off. Yeah, he'd go yeah, crazy go in the off, season, right? And you know what? And we're all fans of that crash through barriers, so I get it. You know, but um, hopefully there are guys out there that don't just eat that sloppily year round. Yeah, uh, you know. So anyway, yeah. that's what I've got. Oh, the only thing I just wanted to mention it's not it's not here yet, but the talk is already coming up about the GPA Worlds, um, because it, at, at this meet we're going to have pretty much the the top three 110 kilo lifters going against each other. So you got Dan Green from the USA, Zahir, uh, I'm not even going to try and butcher his last name from Azerbaijan, and uh, Podiev, uh from Russia. And it's pretty neat this because, you know, I think Green still narrowly owns the total. Um, Zahir smashed Green's squat, and Podiev got the deadlift. So it's going to come down to, you know, one of them coming up with the biggest total. But should should be a fun meet to watch. And it's yeah, that's one where you can call it a, it's, it's truly a world's. You know, when you show up and it's like in Springfield, Missouri, and there's like one guy from Ohio, <laughs> that's not a world's. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that type of thing is gonna it's gonna be fun to watch. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's it's neat watching be on the you know in it, and then also at the sidelines watching uh, raw lifting come back up, and you're seeing all the Russians and stuff join it. It's it's a fun time for uh, you're you're seeing kind of a resurgence in powerlifting. But. We're you saying was it Donnie Thompson said something about let's get our act together, guys. You know, powerlifting yeah. started over here. Now, so let me ask you this. What about the raw movement? Did that also start in the States and the Russians are picking up on it? or? Yeah, and that's where everybody says, oh, we're screwed now because the Russians have just started, like, raw lifting. So now they're All coming right. in and killing everybody. There was a meet what, two weeks ago, I think it was, and literally in one day, they let me open it up here. It'll just take me a second. In one day, the Russians broke three or four. In one day, they broke one, two, three, three deadlift all-time world records raw. Oh, (laughs) they broke the 198, 242, and 275 class records. Um, so what is it about those Eastern Bloc guys? I mean, the thin, the fins. You know, I've been over the, some of those Finnish events, um, mm-hmm. more on the like the sports science side of things. But I mean, uh, is it just practical understanding of how to mix the the best drugs with the best training? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, and that's the thing because I mean, everybody tries to to call drugs on it. But I'm sorry, dude. You're <laughs> they're using them here too, right? You know, right. so um, you can't call that out. Um, I don't know, man. There's some, they just know how to get strong over there, and it's it's just amazing watching them. I mean, but you know what I mean from a practical um, perspective. They've had almost maybe this is a stereotype, but it seems like through history, their state, their government. Mm-hmm. sort of sanctioned a lot of things yes. that we didn't formally do here. And they seem to have a practical knowledge of how mm-hmm. anabolic support builds yep. with 
exquisite yeah. training routines. And I think that's part of it. I think it's part part of it is, you know, they've done, they just, they're all the ones that have studied it. You know, right. it's just not allowed right. here. Exactly. Um, right here you have a crapshoot of individuals trying yeah. to figure it out. And I just wonder how much of it was built into their government and their society, yeah. you know what I mean, over the decades at least. Well, and I think that the strength culture over there is even government funded, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we got, you know, powerlifting over here is really it's a pastime, it's a hobby. And so is Olympic weightlifting almost. Um Yeah. You know, it's not funded at all. Whereas you go over to the Asian bloc countries and, you know, you're a star if you if you go, you know, win a gold or, or something like that. Right. So, I mean, that helps. That helps. I mean, there's a drive that they don't have here. Here, it's it's got to be all internal. And, man, when you got a whole country behind you, and so, I don't know. It's like their answer to the Cold War. Well, we'll just kick your ass, you know. Um, I don't know. They're strong, though, and it's it's fun to watch. And, yeah, it was Donnie that called them all out and was like, man, we got to step up because we're getting owned. It's a good point. It might be uh, like recruiting. I mean, what makes a good team over here in the States is a lot of it is who you start with, your raw materials. I mean, sure, there's culture of winning and there's the science and there's all the other things. But you're right. I I think you're really on to something with that because here uh, it's not popular enough for all the best in the gene pool to jump in, Mm -hmm. you know, or if. Yeah, if somebody does have the genes for size and strength, I think we've talked about this before, but they end up in football or somewhere mm-hmm. where there's money. Exactly. Yeah. And over there, yeah, instead of having American football, obviously, this is one of their big deals. So yes. people gravitate toward it automatically. They get the best uh, gene pool, maybe. Exactly. And you run down, I mean, you run down all the records in like Poland, Russia. Latvia, you know, Russia, 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 Poland, Russia, Russia. Yeah, they're all, it's littered and it's getting more and more that way. Um, oddly enough, you look back and like a lot of the ones the USA owns are like, it's like 1973 and yeah, stuff like that. You're seeing like Larry Pacifico still owns the total without wraps. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was ages ago. Yeah. Don yeah. Reinhold in 1974 still owns a super heavyweight total, stuff like that. It was like we had it at one point, but that was the heyday of, you know, like the uh, uh, what's it called? The um, York, you know, the York Barbell Club oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was they were funded, you know, right? So you know, he he paid for them all the travel and everything else. Well, I don't yeah. want to bring this back to drugs repeatedly, but it almost seems like what's happened between now and back in the let's say seventies or eighties is there was such a crackdown mm-hmm. on doping and that kind of stuff you mm-hmm. know what i mean that uh, i don't know <laughs> maybe it b- because there's such a crackdown like i said it almost makes it like uh the guys that are trying to build training regimes that are so high in volume they require anabolic support yeah you know, it's just harder for them to do th- some of that maybe in recent years yeah. over here i don't know i'm just speculating because the other thing would be gene pool and mm-hmm. i don't i'm not quite willing to say just because you're polish or russian you've got better genes for strength i mean there may be something to that but yeah. um yeah there's so many things that could come into that you know yep it's a crazy time though it's good it's it's i don't know it's fun for me to watch so <clears throat> that's all i got well i guess i could give a shout out we got a the ussf my federation has a meet in st louis this weekend so oh cool shout out to all those people lifting there i had to stay stay back in here in town and fix my car that exploded so right but uh yeah so good luck there hopefully we have a good meet i think we got like 30 some lifters and then we're gonna have our biggest olympic lifting meet of the of the year oh hey so is this the first time your team has gone without you yeah i I only we only have a couple people there okay okay it wasn't that big of a deal um so yeah and you know mainly it was not normal i'm there judging too but uh That'll be fine. I, I I didn't go to the Nebraska one and stuff like that. That's another reason why. Um, geez, we can get into the you know the schematics of a, of a federation, but a lot of them like the president makes you pay for him to come out even to local meets like this, and that's what ends up driving the freaking prices up. Oh, okay. or lifters have to play, and it's like that's what I told all my state chairs. There's no need for me to be there. That's why I got you guys. That's why I, I got a hold of people that know what the hell they're doing. Well, that's a key, um, right? Because we're able to, you know, as long as there's three judges there that know what the hell they're doing, and they got people there to help run the table and stuff. There's no need in wasting three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars to get me there and get me back. That just that just goes against, and that just raises up the prices for the lifters again. It's like you right. know, just send me the information, send me videos of it, and we're good. So yeah, I like St. Louis. I was there in 2011 
actually mm-hmm. competing when I was there, and I really like that town. I didn't, I just didn't realize. I mean, the sprawling suburbs as I was driving down the highway into town, you know, I'm like, wow, oh. this is, uh, they say, what, gateway to the west and all that, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a that's a big place, actually. Mm-hmm. Just stay out of East St. Louis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <bad> over there. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you. Let's go to break. We're going to come back, everybody. We're going to have the topic of the day, which is defying the mainstream. We're just going to explore the subcultures of bodybuilding and powerlifting a little bit and and, uh, how they compare with the average, uh, I guess, American in this case. So we'll be back. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back, and uh, you know, like Lonnie talked about, we're gonna speak about defining the mainstream versus defining our, you know, what we're into. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to call that strength sports or the fitness world or stuff like that. So, well, let me give you a, the clicks we run in. If I give but, you an example, like I hate to point fingers at bodybuilders because I we do this sometimes when we talk about behaviors because I do think. In some ways, the bodybuilders are a bit more of a subculture in a way. I mean, if you look at the average powerlifter on the street, you might not even know he is one. It's like that game you play, fat or powerlifter. You know, yeah. sometimes they're just heavy set guys that yeah. are strong as hell. And otherwise, they're pretty normal. They're mm-hmm. blue collar guys or whatever. And whereas if you see a bodybuilder, um, they tend to be exhibitionists a bit. You yeah. know, they've like they're walking around in a string tank down the yeah. block. I'm like, all right, you're not even at the gym, brother. You know, yeah. you're real tan. Uh, you almost look oiled up. You know, you got on a string tank top. Um, it, it's that kind of thing. Or, you know, you go yeah. to the Arnold Fitness Weekend, and, you know, everybody's walking around with a gallon jug of distilled water. They literally look like they've got dioderm on, uh, and they're not even competing. Yeah. You know, and so it starts to beg the question. And then you look at magazines, and the language that gets used is bizarre to the average person you know a lot of the um the brutality and the um 
over the top sort of you know terms like freak we were talking about before we hit record so negative to the average person and bodybuilders love it they, they almost yeah. seem to revel in the fact that they are scary or yeah. uh, you know to the average person i don't know w- what are your thoughts on that no i definitely see that and there is a difference between the two worlds between the you know strength sports and and bodybuilding i think it's i don't know for lack of better terms i think you're naturally a little more self-absorbed as a bodybuilder because everything's it's all about your appearance mm-hmm. um so whereas on the powerlifting side or the strength sports side it's about what you can do um so i mean that's that kind of you can't just i can't just walk around and show off my squat all the time or my deadlift you know I whereas think a bodybuilder can walk around and show they are literally showing off their craft 24 hours a day um it's kind of a difference, I think. I mean, and even in the circles I run, I mean, as a powerlifter, like, I mean, I've seen we're out to dinner and, and one of the guys shows up in like a tank top and it's like, come on, dude, you can't even put on a T-shirt. What are you trying to do? No. You know what it reminds me of? It, it, that reminds me of when I was in martial arts, I'd see some of the little kids. They would run around outside, you know, the training gym there uh, in their uniforms, you know, their little taekwondo uniforms and i'd be like this isn't for playing in in the street yeah you know uh, i i know sometimes they're just waiting for their parents to pick them up or whatever they're doing but the point is yeah there's a time and a place right i mean yeah. it's like what rob has said even part of his pre-workout ritual is he he pulls his socks up and he puts on clo- only clothes that are meant for the gym yeah. you know the whole idea of a uniform is to help get you in that mindset i think yeah and you don't We're, yeah there's a time when it just it it comes across awkward even cheesy yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. Why would you're not going to see a powerlifter walking around <laughs> in a in a singlet or something, mm-hmm. you know, at a and family exactly. picnic? That's you know where where strike sports get weird is well at the dinner table it can get kind of crazy and you'll get lots of stares. But it, in the gym, like if an average person walked into a powerlifting gym, they'd be like, "What the hell is going on here?" Because I mean, on any given day, you'll walk in my gym and then like like one of my lifters is literally like stripping down in the corner, putting on a pair of briefs. And he's got nothing else on, and people are like, "What the hell is going on here? That dude's naked." No, true. You know, pretty much. And, Good point. You know, and uh, everybody in my gym, you know, there's guys and girls standing around, like, "Oh, this is nothing. This is just every day." Exactly. You know? Whereas the the other person walks in, they're like, "Oh my god, there's chalk all over. There's a dude putting on underwear, and <laughs> you know, there's blood over there because somebody's got their shins all ripped up." And you know, so yeah, that's where it gets. And music I've seen you blaring. Like that. Yeah. So that's I don't know our our little. Our little subculture is a bit more hidden. It's kind of like in the closet, and then you leave the gym and, and you're done with it. Okay, yeah, a bit. So, well, I know at bodybuilding competitions, I was even floored by being backstage and with all the sort of fake tanning. And we had an episode about this uh, years ago, but I was just blown away that there are the the tanning people, the spray tan people. They give you a sock. To pull over your package, yeah, and that's yeah. it. And there's people walking around, guys <laughs> and girls, in the same room, yeah. naked. They're all naked. And if an average person walked in here, they'd be like, "This is so deviant. What the <laughs> hell are you guys doing?" And like you said, it's instead they almost have this athletic mentality. I don't know how you would describe it, but it's got zero to do with sexual attraction. It's got zero to do with any kind of regular. Uh, values and mores of society, you know what I mean? And yet these people are walking around because they're, they got to get on stage in a little bit. It's, it's go time. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet they're naked, you know, yeah. and it was just, uh, like you said, like naked changing in a corner with the power lift or very much like that. And I think the average person would just run out of there screaming, you know, yeah. like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Yeah. That's uh, a, I, I remember I was at a meet. Oh, geez. It's been two years ago or so. It was my first meet back from my second bicep blow. So, and everybody's like, there's one freaking tiny bathroom in the whole place. There's 50 some lifters. And there's all these people waiting in line to go change in their freaking singlet. And I just dropped trowel right there in front of God and country. And I'm like, I'm putting my damn singlet on. Right. You know? And people are like, what the hell? It's that and sort it's of like, raw you know, yeah. practicality, you know? Yeah. It's like, I got, you know, so you're <laughs> going to see me in my drawers. I don't care. Yeah. You no, know? I don't have anything you haven't seen before. <laughs> right. That's right. So. And it's no, it, yeah, it's different. I don't know. I mean, I think from being in both sides of it, I think maybe I don't know if I'm correct here, but I think one of the big differences is I've seen more on the bodybuilding side. You tend to see people that are more totally defined as a bodybuilder, meaning that's what I am. Whereas on the strength sports side, I think you might see 
you know, it's I'm an athlete in the gym. I'm this away from the gym a, a bit more. They're not totally just just solely defined by what they do. Whereas you see that a lot in bodybuilding. Like bodybuilders are bodybuilders 24 hours a day. So would you say there's no such thing as a powerlifting lifestyle then? Like yeah. there's a bodybuilding lifestyle? I think there's a lifestyle, but it has it's intermeshed. I mean, all the ones I've all the greats that I've met, it's like they're they're more than just a lifter. They can you know, they're also great at other things at the same time. And, you know, they're not just solely defined by just that. And I think it's actually it's one of the things that helps them because it doesn't eat at you. If you just if that's all you think about it, it eats at you and you you, you like overstress about it. You need to let go. And, you know, hey, I'm going to go freaking go to the lake with my family and just hang out. No, I can you tell know? you this. That's one of the ways that I have always stayed sane, even when I was neck deep in mm -hmm. bodybuilding was that my wife is not a fitness bunny thank god mm -hmm. i mean don't get me wrong i think that girls that do fitness stuff fantastic but you know what i mean there's that certain mentality that some of them are sort yes. of that constantly obsessing yep. um you know c calorie counting every little gram of everything and mm -hmm. i can't live like that outside of my own competition diets i mean yes. i think about like dorian yates he'd say you know, I'm doing this to myself, you know, so I try yeah. to keep it to myself and you really get that. I'm sure there are bodybuilders that are more um, balanced and that, mm -hmm. you know, you make dinner for the family. Then you just make your own at certain times of the year and you just try to deal with it instead of, yeah. like you said, obsess over it. Well, let me ask you a hard question then as we start to uh, slowly wind down here so we can fit Rob in here. But so what are some of the values or characteristics if you could put words on it uh that you see either bodybuilding or powerlifting that make them different that make their value system different um geez i mean i don't know there's in powerlifting there's this whole especially like my I, i'll speak of my gym alone like there's this odd um with the girls um why it's like big butts it's like they they champion large butts, and, okay. and you don't see that in the rest of the world. Okay, you get around, yeah. you get around lifters, and it's like, oh man, she lifts. Look at her butt. Yeah, and like every girl in my gym is just they're they're not wanting to be smaller. They're looking to get big legs and a big butt, and that's just odd to the rest of the world. I've had other girls walk in and like look at some of my best lifters and like, yeah, I want to get in shape, but I don't want to look like that. And my other lifters are like, we're all trying to look like that, right? So it's things like that to stick out, and like I don't know the whole man you're swole type of thing you're getting big and everybody else is like dude he's huge and looks funny um type of thing mm -hmm. so um championing big backs and, and things like that um quad development leg development i mean whereas that's odd for the rest of the world i mean the usual thing is you know the opposite like we were talking about this the other day one of my friends post posts on social media he's like all i ever see is people putting up their squat and their deadlift uh totals maxes nobody ever talks about the bench i was like well, it's because of the small social network you're tied to. You're tied to a bunch of lifters. I said, if you if you were tied to the rest of the world, you'd see the opposite. Everybody talking about their bench press and not right. talking about their squat and deadlift because they just don't freaking do it. So uh, you get in these niches, and it's like sometimes it's polar opposite of what the rest of the world does. You know? Yeah, it's true. The, so. the look of power, and we've talked about this before, like the whole – forgotten posterior chain and all that the the look of power is big back big butt big legs mm -hmm. and that's everything other than what you see on like um jersey shores <laughs> or whatever you know where the guys are all they're doing is curls for the girls and bench pressing sort of thing you know they're all about biceps and pecs and i mean those are the those are the two that actually get less attention yeah. You know, when you're looking at a really powerful physique. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, I think I don't know, the, the, the biggest thing that sticks out to me in all athletics people is usually a big back. And it's just, it's, it's different than, than bodybuilding. It's a big, thick back that has just seen a lot of reps and a lot of load. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and I don't know, I, any lifter that spent a lot of time doing it usually has a weird waddle to them. Uh, they don't walk like normal people. You know, so I mean that comes along too, and I, I'm a bit different because I'm just all jacked up. But um, yeah, you know, you see that we joke because I got chickens and ducks here, and my duck walks like a power lifter. It's like <laughs> it walks like a person in freaking scuba shoes. That's you know, that's kind of how power lifters walk. It's like yeah. you're just kind of trudging along. Yeah. Um, 
type of thing. And well, there's definitely, I, I you know, it, it's a value system. It's, um, there are personality characteristics you could probably argue because you see them come out when, when we get together. Uh, yeah. Like aggressiveness, you know, yeah. people feed off each other a little bit. Like normally, the you know the bodybuilder or the powerlifter, we're so far flung that we only see each other at the gym or at a meet or a yeah. show. And when you get everybody together, you know the meathead mentality starts to roll a little bit more. You know what I mean? And I think aggressiveness is part of what a lot of uh, athletes, regardless, yes. exhibit if you give them a chance. You know. Yeah, it's like, a, I don't know, it's like we have a bunch of coyotes here. It's like the whole pack getting together. You know, they all start yipping and they just get the excitement keeps getting higher and higher and higher yeah. as things go on. And yeah, I mean, the average person I don't think can relate with that. And, you know, the, the whole feeding off the pack mentality. I know, you know, my best training sessions are done when when there's 15, 20 people around. You know, and you just feed off that, especially if some new people walk in. And, I mean, you see that in the animal kingdom. And I mean, the minute a new animal walks up, the whole pack, you know, hair stands up and this and that. And it's like a, a new person walks in the gym. It's like, well, it's time to do work, man. Right. I, you know, I got to show them what they're walking into. So It reminds um, me, that my, you know, my wife and I are, all, are always talking about biopsychosocial. Almost anything you come up with, you can address from those three angles. And this is the social side, you yeah. know, that you do form little subcultures you know, and like you said, even within your own little meta, you know, your own little gym, like you were saying, like with the the big butts, you know, that's almost mm -hmm. like a defiance of the mainstream. They're like, yeah. I don't want a little butt that I, I could sit in the palm of somebody's hand. I want a power yeah. butt, you know, and those sorts of things. <sighs> yeah, they do sort of feed off each other, I think. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, one of the best things is I brought my wife to a, her first Olympic lifting meet a couple years ago and we're sitting there and there was a I mean, it was big meet there was probably a couple hundred lifters and there's a bunch of high school kids and there was this one high school girl that she was in her singlet and her butt was literally so big that she had runs in it like runs and panties oh. my wife was, my <laughs> wife was like I want that holy <laughs> crap you know, she's her butt is so big she's got runs in her singlet she just don't care she's just like I'm here to lift yeah you know but how aberrant yeah. is that right even I yeah. mean for your wife to say, I want that, you know, oh, if, yeah. if no, she was around not. other people who didn't lift, they'd be like, that, <laughs> that's odd. It's yeah. like, well, oh, you just yeah, don't understand, just don't you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a, I don't know, glute development and hamstring development, back development. It's a sign. We know in this community, it's a sign of power. You know, it's a sign of strength. Yeah. You know, that person can move some weight. And there's a difference, you know, that's, we'll look, I don't know, it's kind of like that playing fatter power lifter game. We'll, We'll say, you know, just genetic big butt or work big butt, and there's a difference. You know, you can you can tell the difference in that. But uh, no, you can. There's more roundness in a lot of ways to a power yeah. butt because it's glute, it's not fat. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's yeah. some fat on there, but you know, exactly. So you know, we'll ID the differences in those, and I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of little things that you can ID along the way as as far as these cultures stick out. I mean, going out to eat, it's totally, it's got to be. Not just the quantities, but choices a lot of times are different than the average person, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I think people that really sticks out. You'll see people looking at that and, you know, Phil, I've always wanted to start a bodybuilder restaurant. Actually, they tore down the building in front of my gym and I swear to God, I would love to build something like the Firehouse Cafe. We used to mm -hmm. go to at Venice Beach. It's specifically, you know, it was for bodybuilders and people yeah. would go in there and God, uh, Rob has tails like gary stridham literally eating whole turkeys yeah you know exactly. and stuff like that and the average person to sit down and watch a man eat like two eight pound turkeys and mm -hmm. buckets of vegetables they wouldn't be able to process that yeah you know they'd be afraid and they probably well, should be <laughs> oh yeah and i think also the average the, the average person doesn't understand like I don't know. The average twenty to forty something goes out to dinner and has a few drinks and this and that. And like I got stared at because we went on a ride, uh, a, a fundraiser for my junior Olympics team, and our last stops at a bar. And it's not. I. It's not that I don't drink. I enjoy drinks here and there. But it's like, man, I'm not. I'm not out here to get trashed like everybody else. And I went in and I ordered a Red Bull. And she's like, okay, what do you want in it? And I was like, I just want a Red Bull. Uh -huh, <laughs> and right. she's like, I think it was the first time she'd sold one without alcohol in it. Well, I think I listeners like, just, know that we're not. Bring me the freaking can, man. Yeah, you don't have Good. to be prudish. I mean, <laughs> no. like, you know, we, I think we almost offended some people when we were talking about on special occasions having a drink in a stogie or something. You know, yeah. it's like, but, but then there are times when you're in hard training that 
you wouldn't even think about that. You're yeah, like, listen, no, I am training an right now. Yeah, you know, it's like, no, yeah, I'm getting ready for me. I can't do that. Right. Yeah, it's not even worth it to you. You know, and, and how can you explain? I know Chris Shugart will go on about that sometimes about. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, it's a weird ghetto life. It's like, really? A life like yours? You know, yeah. you doughboy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's harsh. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's almost like misery loves company. They don't like to see somebody ex, uh, exhibit discipline or, you know. Um, but I, I think know. that is – you see that like in this life. Like I'll have – we'll have bonfires here all the time and people will come over and we'll freaking cook meat and drink. Yep. And but there might let's say there's 30 of us there and there's six of us that have a meet in two weeks. The other people don't hound them like, oh, come on, just one. We understand. You know, it's like, right. OK. And, and everybody has a good time still, even though those six aren't partaking. It's like, hey, it's all good. We know sometimes it's almost like it comes <laughs> down to a higher cause. You know, yeah. like when you're in a certain training cycle, uh, you can relax in other yeah. training cycles. You're just not going to. And it's exactly. because of that higher cause. And I think that's one of the best things about whether it's the subculture or just being in a, a muscle-related sport is it does give you something beyond high school, beyond college, that higher purpose, and that is going to eventually drift you a little further and further away from the mainstream, especially the more experience and years you get. You know, you're going to see more and more, and sometimes it's really fringe and it gets too weird, you know, but, yeah, the value systems just slowly change. Nobody decides, hey, I think I'm going to eat whole turkeys and um, strip down naked in, and change or, you know, they don't think yeah. about these things. It's a slow sort of indoctrination process in a way uh, as you become part of this subculture, I guess, you know, mm. but all right. No, for sure. All right. Well, let's leave a little bit of room for Fortress. And uh, I guess that's all I've got. Is, are you is that all you got? No, I think we're good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll urge everybody to come check out my my site again. Um, geez, we put another recording up today oh, or cool. this week of uh, Steve Cotter and Clint, Ken Blackburn, so uh, kettlebell guys. And so, okay. if you want to check mm -hmm. that out, it's on my site. And then, you know, articles and stuff. We're trying to get better with articles and things like that. And I, I repost the Iron Radio stuff on there too to make sure it's going out all over the place. But mm -hmm. um, that's it. Actually, I'm Phil, gonna... I'm going to send you, if you don't mind, uh, yeah. an article uh, because I, I fired it off to a w web publication, but it, mm -hmm. I don't think it highlighted their products enough. You know, it was ah. too general. And, gotcha. But it, there's good stuff in it. So, um, yeah, love to. Anyway, okay. Sounds good. Until next time, everybody. All right, so we've got Fortress uh, in our little Enter the Fortress portion of the show here. And people, of course, remember we were talking about um, certain definitions and values and mores and that sort of thing that the general population has versus um, bodybuilders or powerlifters and uh, well, how those two might even differ in their subcultures. So there are certainly things that lifters in general – they really defy the mainstream as far as not caring what other people think and doing their own thing. Um, so I guess one of my first questions to you, Rob, is Phil and I didn't address this much, which is um, what about the value system when it comes to anabolic drugs and that sort of thing? I mean, the general population has so much anti-drug messages on the media and that sort of thing, but lifters often look at it in a constructive light. I mean, not all of them, of course, but certainly parts of the subculture look at them as constructive instead of destructive. Would you agree with that, or what are your thoughts? No, I agree with that. Um, but it's interesting in today's um, time how it used to be, I think, more of a um, you know for and against argument amongst weight trainers. Um, there wasn't a lot of gray area. It seems to me that a lot of old-timers now who would have been initially years and years ago of the anti have kind of switched um, gears a little bit and now accept a certain amount as long as it conforms to a classic sense in, in bodybuilding terms of the, of the physique and the development. Um, by that I mean, um, you know, the, the last uh, 15, 20 years, the whole, you know, ridiculous 
abuse of the drugs and then throwing in insulin, GH, and all this kind of stuff, I think that that's becoming less and less tolerated by those types of people um, because they feel, um, whether it's right or wrong, and I, I tend to think that they're certainly to a degree right, you know, the, the, the physiques today and, and the kind of the aberrations that we see and the monstrosities that we see are largely a result of the, you know, what they seem to be the abuse of an addition of some of these other compounds that were never used in their kind of their, their day. So um, I think it's a good point that the escalation with a lot of that stuff has become a breaking point in a way, you know, where I think in the 80s, let's say, you saw a lot of people who, sure, some of them used GH. Um, most bodybuilders at a high level used anabolics, you know, um, testosterone, you know, the basic stuff, Dianabol, Winstrol, those sorts of things, uh, Anavar, Anadrol. Um, but, yeah, not so much on the side of the growth factors and all that kind of stuff. And that's almost forced a value system change in a way for a lot of people, you know, because you can't be, I don't know, a beanbag chair of quivering muscle mass, you know, because of the growth factors and everything. And I think it's almost made us recalibrate a lot of us in a way. Yeah, I think just performance enhancing drug enhancing drugs in general have um, become more not tolerated, but almost expected and less surprising. Um, I mean, even just in recent months, you know, the UFC, you know, the MMA world is seeing increasing guys testing positive, and they're trying to track down on it. But you know, these guys are. So I, I think it's one of those things where. Young guys today, um, no matter what they do, they tend to look at that as, um, I'm not going to say acceptable, but more, more of kind of just a obvious thing to turn to. Um, you, you know, it, it's, it's it, the, the actual subculture itself of performance-enhancing drugs seems to be less of a subculture now, and more um, just kind of an all-consuming thing for a lot of, especially young men. But you know what? With the advent of all these different categories for women, for um, you know, whether it be bodybuilding, physique, figure, bikini, <laughs> goes on and on. Um, even a lot of women today, are, I think, have a lot less, uh, you know, taboo nature towards using things, um, which which I think is, you know, for both the bo- the men and the women, I think is really unfortunate. What about stuff like uh, training then, or you know, there's a lot of words, a lot of the terminology I think is indicative, like destroy yourself annihilate this brutalize that you know what i mean uh do you think your family members for example are gonna identify with that kind of language or you know what sets that apart well you know it's uh, you know kind of going on from what i was even saying on the last time i uh, you know i offered some comments here on the show i mean social media has you know kind of provided a platform in a big way for people to you know, uh, for this to just be one more thing that they kind of like, look at me, look at me, you know, that kind of whole attitude that, you know, um, that you yourself kind of talk about all the time, you know, this whole thing. Because you, you go on, you know, some of these platforms like Facebook or whatever, and it seems like people are just uh, love to boast about that killer workout. You know, I just smashed my legs and I just this, that and everything. And, and, and people are becoming more and more obsessed with that as well as everything else with the selfies and that of... You know, I just, you know, demolished my, you know, my upper body with my this, that, and everything else. And it almost becomes like a badge of honor for some people, which people like you and me totally understand. Um, I just think that guys like you and me are a little bit more understated about it. Um, You know, we, we let the performance do the talking rather than a lot of talking after the mediocre performance <laughs> if that's it's if that's a way of putting it um all right well let me ask you yeah. ask a few things here so one of the another thing that that phil and i did not really address much um is the fringe element i mean i know you and i have laughed about that before and this is much worse i think with bodybuilding than with powerlifting you know we, phil and i were talking about how a lot of the powerlifters they're a little bit more like blue collar they can turn off they live a certain lifestyle, sure, but when they're not in the gym, and things can get crazy maybe in the gym when they're training with their like-minded people and whatnot, you know, but outside of that, they're visually less different from everybody else, 
arguably, unless they're a real high level, maybe. Um, you know what I mean, as far as being like tan and huge and walking around in tank tops and always advertising, sort of. But For sure. but even beyond that, um, there are deviant parts to the at least the bodybuilding subculture, and um, are those part of what makes it? I don't know. What do you think? Um. Well, a lot of what you're referring to certainly has been a part of, um, you know, the larger weight training community for decades now. Um, but I think I think it still has largely been retained within the subculture, um, so it hasn't really marred its, you know, the, the opinion of the masses as, as to it. But you know, I think that's a good thing because I think the you know the masses at large don't really have a favorable impression of the bodybuilding subculture to begin with. Right. Though they don't know, really know much about it. Uh, um, I certainly know as a power lifter and I can, you know, express this cause I felt the same way that, you know, switching from bodybuilding to powerlifting, certainly there's, there's an element of, um, cer- initially definitely, um, of almost wanting to having, you know, having been so involved in bodybuilding, almost wanting to, push against it and be a lot of things that it had represented before for me as a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, I.e., you know, like you were saying about the, you know, the tanning and the, you know, over-attention to, to leanness and, and, and uh, you know, this and that and everything like that. Because it, it's actually quite liberating for any of the, the people out there who have, who have made switches like that from a more bodybuilding-centric kind of training um way of doing things to a, you know, a lifting standpoint, there is a, a, a lot of liberation away from that. Um, and I think for a small time, at least, at least in my opinion, in my, in my case, there was an almost, uh, wanting to champion the fact that you had left that kind of domain, <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of left all that, a lot of that crap behind. Well, I know, for example, my brother and I were both very much into sort of, you know, bodybuilding sorts of stuff when we were younger. And uh, he's constantly bringing up how cheesy, how he's moved on from that, you know, and he's matured beyond that and all that sort of thing. And sometimes when students, uh, I talk to them and they're like, I don't, I can't believe, you know, you used to compete in bodybuilding or this and that. I'm like, well, first of all, why do you think I'm teaching you strength and conditioning? You know, um, it's actually part of the reason that I got the education I did, but I'm not going to be ashamed of some of those things, you know. Sure, in some ways, as you get older, some people do move on. Some people can't let go. We all know about the competitors who it's such, so much a part of their personal identity, their salient identity that they can't let go and they keep competing no matter how bad they look, you know, and that sort of thing. So I do think there's a time to move on in that kind of thing. but And you do change your value system a little bit, you know. Uh, I think a healthy right. person has other things going on and – um it's not a single-minded attention to just getting strong or getting huge. Uh, but, like, for me, I had my education, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Everybody's got their own thing, and so it helps well, them think, switch gears, yeah, maybe. I think if you last long enough in weight training and the whole gym culture of weight training, um, when I say last long enough, I don't mind, mean six or seven years, but, you know, decades in, I think you come to a point where um, you do – you go through different cycles of recognizing it for what it is and then almost kind of reconciling with that and then finding your own place with it and that that you think is <laughs> for for lack of a better word tolerable mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know what i mean like certainly bodybuilding i've come full circle with all, all that kind of thing and you know i recognize the cheesier and more uh, you know the less admirable aspects of that culture um you know, and and you kind of find where it is that you want to fit yourself within that. Well, let me um, give you a good example. Like, uh, I remember, I don't even know if he's still with us, but Pax Beal, he was a, oh, geez, Pax you know, Beale, yeah. yeah, older guy. And I remember seeing him in a picture, uh, I think he was at a board meeting, and he's wearing like leopard dot clown pants, you know, and like a string tank or something. And I'm like, you're in a business boardroom. You know, there's a time and a place for some of these different things. Everybody plays different roles, but your role is not that right here, right now. 
You know what I mean? And I mean, imagine like if you were to try to do that on your way to work, you know, or I were to try to do that on my way to work in, or school, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's the one dimensional kind of thing, people, I think, in the subculture that, you know, that let's face it. I mean, I've said this to the way I've explained it to students before was that you have, if you have a cheesy opinion of bodybuilding, for example, or even powerlifting for that matter, you know, macho or big fat guy, strong guy, whatever, uh, it's partly because you've been exposed to cheesy examples of that, you know, and like you were saying, a lot of people just don't know much about it. Uh, they don't realize there are weight classes, you know, and not everybody is a super heavyweight that looks like somebody that they've seen, you know, giant and bloated up on a cover of a magazine and, and that kind of thing, you know, and mm-hmm. Uh, so well, I, all this yeah. is tangential, of course, to the, the values of the subculture because when you grow up in it like you and I did, and Phil came into more, uh, probably more like the bodybuilding side, at least on an amateur level before he got more and more into the power stuff. But you know what I mean? You're, you're brought up in it. Uh, you've, it strikes a chord in you, you know, like Tom Platt said, almost like a calling. Um, and more and more you gradu- gradually move a bit more extreme. And then I think you start coming back the other way, like you said. You say, "What's my niche in all this? You know, what am I willing to adopt from this, uh, and what am I just not going to do anymore because that's just that's too deviant, you know, or too um, too extreme." Yeah, I think you bring up a good point though earlier as well. That I I seem to think that people that function the best long term without being negatively affected by it um, are the people like you're saying who can recognize the need to be adaptable to the different elements of life and <laughs> behave accordingly um, like you say instead of the, the guys like you know who you know ad- adopt that whole kind of like you know to clown pent mentality to use that as a <laughs> right. reference you know and, and they try to apply that. Um, to every aspect of you know a, a regular, normally functioned person's life, um, versus recognizing it for what it is and appreciating it, and liking it, and kind of getting off on that whole side of it, but recognizing that that's not appropriate for everything they do in life. You know, they don't have to bring that to everything they do. You know, and you um, know what, Rob? I think some people they have jobs that, and I know we're winding down here. They have jobs that are a little bit more forgiving for that. But if you're a teacher, you know, or something like that, then it's it's that Jekyll and Hyde. You know, these two things uh, in extremes don't mesh very well. And it's very, very hard for me to explain to certain lifters, even guys I know in the fitness industry that are businessmen, about what academics see them as. You know, um, the ivory tower people, for example, look at guys like that. They go, oh, that's a joke. You know, there's nothing to learn from that group. And, you know, and the flip side is they're looking at the ivory tower people and saying, you academics are pencil necks and, you know, you're, you don't really get it. You're not in the trenches. You don't know what it feels like to have a bar on your back. You know what I mean? And it's just so radically different. Whereas some of the guys at the gym, if they're a drywaller or landscaper, nobody gives a crap, you know, about how outwardly they express their bodybuilding interests uh, at work, yeah. you know, because it's just nobody cares. It's more of a blue collar who cares kind of job as opposed to some sort of professional thing where you're expected to play along certain political channels and wear the right clothes and all that sort of thing. Right. Well, I think it also comes down to, you know, the fact that th- these types of s- pursuits oftentimes draw people who are, you know, less confident in who they are or, you know, seeking something um, outside of themselves. And I think that's where people run into problems. I think if you, you know, you're quite a secure person, or you at least grow to be while you're pursuing this, you know, it's much easier for you then to fully understand that just because you might not display it outwardly doesn't mean that you you don't carry it with you wherever you go. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, Um, exactly. And... Certainly as a music fan, as most people who listen to the show now know, I am. Um, you know, I, I don't look like the typical properly, you know, metalhead, certainly as I exist today. Um, you know, so, but, you know, wherever I go, you know, that's a very, very, very prominent part of me that I carry within me. But, I'm, you know, I, I've kind of 
come to the realization that it's you know it, it's it's something you feel inside versus something that you um, you shouldn't have to always feel that you're kind of putting out there for everybody to recognize even mm-hmm. even something as silly as and this is probably just a little example for you the whole idea of wearing band t-shirts you know when I was younger it was very important to me you know to always have all these shirts that you know depicted the the names and the the imagery of these bands that I listened to right that advertise your interest in it right yeah and there's nothing wrong with that it's it's like a phase or sometimes for some people it's not a phase but um certainly as i've gotten older i feel less and less inclined to particularly you know particularly care about you know <laughs> right. people are aware of the fact that i'm a morbid angel <laughs> fan you know what i mean it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not that i don't enjoy still the shirts and still enjoy that type of thing and i i certainly do and i certainly you know there's a certain pride that i have in that as well i just don't feel the overriding urge you know predominantly to you to, to you know to to advertise that as much and i think that holds over for most people in most pursuits or passions or hobbies in life where they've as i was speaking to earlier the whole thing where you've gone a certain period of time not in years but usually in decades you know where you kind of arrive arrive at this place where you accept it and enjoy it for what it i mean and it really if you last that long in a, in a pursuit um, I think it goes without saying that you probably will arrive at that point regardless just because, you know, I mean, nobody lasts in something, a hobby or pursuit that's, um, that you know, it, it's it's the means to an end rather than, me, than the means itself, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's sort of a micro-sociology as opposed to macro-scale sociology that most people think about. You know, this is about individual roles that you play. You don't have to deny those parts of you you just feel a little bit less um desperate to constantly advertise it you know what i mean everybody's got certain pursuits i've got some very nerdy pursuits that i you know has a whole different community online and subculture and that sort of thing and i mean these guys are kind of completely not understand the bodybuilding subculture you know and which in turn are not going to understand academics you know i've actually tried to explain to some people in the fitness industry uh, how academics, what they expect, what you have to do to be part of that, what, you know, the um, uh, requisites and that kind of thing. And they, d- I'm never going to make them understand it fully, yeah, at least not, you know, the sort of value system uh, because it's just so radically different in the politics and all that. But Absolutely. Well, I, I'm glad I got a chance to catch up with you, man. Absolutely. For sure. All right, everybody, we'll um, we'll be back with you next week. And then just quickly, I have been uh, just getting together the skeleton of uh, some upcoming topics. And most of the guests that I'm going to sprinkle into the schedule are a little bit more on the academic side. Uh, i got a couple of professors, uh, some guys talking about dietary supplements, especially di- uh, dietary fat supplements that I think are going to surprise you, some new kinds of fats uh, and approaches to that coming out Uh a little bit about, in fact, Rob, you'll want to be on when we get Brian Cron on. He's going to talk about working for supplement companies in the fitness industry, like writing and that kind of thing. That's going to be very much, it'll be interesting to compare notes between you guys. Um, and then, obviously, Phil will, uh, I'm sure, will be calling up some competitive powerlifters and whatnot. So, some neat stuff coming up in the next two months, probably. And um, looking forward to those things. Yep. All right. All right. So from all of us here at Iron Radio, later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. 
also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.